Did you hear that? Yes. Yeah. I, had I had to consent to being recorded. Yeah, we have an option to leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For God's sake, yeah. consent, will you? <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> Consented. Consent withheld. So there'd just be periodically there'd be gaps. And then me going, <laughs> like an idiot. Anyway. Welcome to the seventh episode of the Frankenstein's RPG podcast. You are very welcome. Uh, on this podcast, I'm joined by four luminaries, or maybe I should say luminalies. Uh, that'll become a much funnier joke uh, after you've listened to the podcast. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, we have a, a few sort of things to, to warn you about. Uh, any Christian fanatics out there, uh, please avoid coaches uh, and horses uh, apologies for the dogs that bark midway through I, I i can't get them to stop barking it's it's a, it's a nightmare um, and also we can uh, or rather we cannot confirm the existence of the game designers gentlemen's club um again that'll be uh, uh, that'll that'll make sense as you get through so uh, for those new to us what's it all about well, uh, each episode we uh, get a group, group of grog get a group of grognards together to look at the very best elements of role-playing games on a given theme or subject, debate a bit, waffle a lot more around the topic, and then vote on which games will contribute to our creation, the Frankenstein's monster of a game. And in this episode, we are looking at skill tests and careers and classes. So skill tests and careers and classes. Remember that as we go through. The idea is that once we've constructed this devilish entity, we'll then play it and see if it all hangs together or indeed falls hopelessly apart at the seams. Thanks again for everyone for their participation via Twitter. And I do hope you enjoy it as we again embark on this, the most odd of creative exercises. Hello, everybody, and uh, and welcome to the Frankenstein's RPG podcast. As if it's a physical place, not like the uh, the uh, Mitchester Arms, obviously. Uh, but this is this is episode seven, uh, and in this episode, we're looking at skill tests uh, and careers or classes, or I guess uh, whatever else will come out of uh, out of it will. Uh, will determine whether it's going to be careers, classes, or skills, or uh, loosey-goosey, whatever it is we decide to go for. But that's what we're looking at, skill tests, careers. And uh, I'm joined by uh, four absolute luminaries. Uh, I'm sure that's how you pronounce that word. Uh, and if, if you'd like to sort of introduce yourself, that'd be great. So if I could come to you first, please, Paul. Okay, so I'm Paul Michener. I am the Tweedmeister on Twitter. I'm possibly known to listeners of this podcast for, well, as the author of Liminal, which is 
I get the feeling as being always the bridesmaid, but never the bride in the votes here. <laughs> yeah, I always get voted down. That's the problem, Paul. I'm the only one who likes it. <laughs> and, but, yeah, Cass is well known, for example, for not being able to stand it. <laughs> uh, you've, you've never thought of playing something like Golden Heroes as the Tweedmeister, which would be a, a quite an interesting sort of superhero costume to turn yeah, up in a three-piece suit. What would the Tweedmeister's powers be, though? That's the interesting thing. He has a magic loom. <laughs> I, should, uh, I don't know where they're going to go with this. changing one's outfit who he thinks is looking uh, too scruffy. Blythe? Uh, yes, I am Blythe. Uh, you probably don't want to find me on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm Dirk the Dice's sidekick on the Grognard Files. Or person he ropes in. Because he needs to, he needs someone to talk to. Just, just so That's so- me. Not not that we're not that we're judging, but uh, it's not you know not like his significant other or anything like that. You don't live together. It's not some sort of Morecambe and Wise type arrangement. No, no, we have been on holiday together on occasion in in our youth, but but no, not not anymore. It's it's not a case just, of chuck me the dice bag from the other bed. <laughs> yeah, we we made breakfast to the uh, the music from the stripper. <laughs> throwing dice bags around. That's, that's, a, that's an average morning for us. <laughs> who's who's doing the grapefruits this morning? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Who's throwing the D12s this morning? <laughs> Debbie, I'll turn to you next. Debbie, could you uh, introduce yourself, please? Yeah. Hi, I'm Debbie. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at DragonGirl74. I'm Andrew, occasionally known as Zoss, due to a plethora of Andrews around my age who tend to attend things like Grogmeat. Uh, so, therefore, you can find me on Twitter at Zoss93. Fantastic, thank you. And you will all become now marked people. Uh, prepare yourself for the vitriol that will come your way. <laughs> uh, don't forget, uh, nothing nothing but nice things about Traveller this evening. Uh, but I think Tunnels and Trolls is, uh, you could have a field day with Tunnels and Trolls now, apparently. So. Mm. <laughs> Play a game now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll leave that there. Uh, so the, the first the first bit we we're going to have a look at was skill tests. Now we sort of we, we we could probably be accused for doing things a little bit uh, as we'd say ass about face. Uh, you'd thought we'd have most of the sort of uh, the mechanics in the bag by the time, well, by the time you go get to the end of episode one, I would imagine. But never one to uh, to do anything other than fly in the face of uh, convention. Uh, we're in episode seven, looking at skill tests and that sort of principal mechanic of of the game. So. Um, and again, Twitter has been sort of very much uh, a buzz with um, whether percentile rolls are dull, uh, whether 2D6 is a legitimate way of testing for skills, whether we should have pools of D10s. Uh, I think we have pretty much every dice except for uh, pools of D4s, which at some stage, surely somebody's got to make a uh, use of that uh, particular dice. But um, Yeah, there is actually a system, there's a couple of systems that use uh, D4 pools. One is Nibiru oh, yeah. um, by Karuna Media. Um, that's actually got its own D, D4s, which are actually D12s because they roll better than D4. So it's basically a D12 numbered one to four, three times, which is pretty cool, actually, to be fair. Um, there's also a system that was released a few years ago by some friends of mine. I think he died a death. Certainly, I've got like, I think one of about six copies, which was um, a gangster-based system. Um, you played sort of the Mafia's Mafia, and they called that the Caltrop system, unsurprisingly, since it used a D4 pool. 
Do you know what? This is the reason for you being on here, Andrew. Actually, I think we needed we needed to make you the the resident statistician on here. <laughs> D four Nibiru and uh, the gangster D four. Yeah, game. I can't remember what, um, what's affiliates. It? It's called affiliates. I've just been informed from from my from my left <laughs> from previous contributor Cat. Yes, indeed, indeed. Yes. Uh, D four. I'm amazed. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. amazed that there's actually one game, let alone two, that use pools of D4. But okay, fair enough. So, skill. So, actually, we'll, we'll, in that case, Andrew, we'll come, we'll come to you first. Then, so skill tests. So, obviously, the point the point of this this um, this podcast. Uh, it does make sense. No, I think you're right. It was. I was actually. I was quite surprised to see that that comment that was made. Uh, I'll, I'll try and find out who who made the comment. But Guy Milner was it Guy. Yeah. Uh, said uh, d, d percentile is is dull, and I'm sort of thinking, well, I can't say it's dull. You know, like you say, there's a fairly. It, it tells you how how good you are at something, what your chances of doing. I it. Think, so. I think I think the problem with it is essentially that it offers no kind of narrative. Okay. Aspects, you know, so it's like, well, you know, I succeeded at that role, but then I've got seventy five percent chance, so I probably should have, you know, but mm. but did I succeed well, you know, and I. Um, but then you, but then you do have the uh, particularly if you if you go down. That you've road, got you've got sort chaosium. of critical and impales and you know specialists yeah, yeah. now. Now we're in quest, but I, I guess from a sort of now, you know, some some people like a kind of narrative aspect to the to the dice rolls. Okay, so so in terms of, uh, I think you, I think you're right about the, the like you said with KSM with uh, Cthulhu. You have got some, there is some narrative in there because you've got extreme successes and yeah. hard successes, and you've got regular successes. So you can yeah. play around with that in terms of narrative, can't you? If you if you give me a, yeah. give me a hard success, and if you get a regular success, something yeah. bad happens. And yeah. you've got a bit of there's something but, something in there now. They've refined it a little bit, haven't they, KSM? Yeah. Which is, is quite uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, and and I think the other thing. Of works quite well there is thing is is the use of things like luck so actually even in and clearly not being a particular fan of failing forward as has been established in the past uh you can sort of rescue a bad situation by by spending luck but there's a finite amount of that so you know you, you're sort of husbanding your luck uh quite literally um into mm-hmm. into the skill test okay so critical in terms, in terms of failing forward and the narrative aspects of dice rolls i actually think ffg star wars that actually works quite well because you end up rolling multiple types of dice and you get kind of... Um... That, that's one of my favourites. I absolutely love it with your successes and failures and advantages. and That's um, it, advantage and disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's what I think of. Triumphs, yeah, so. triumphs and despairs. Yeah. So you can completely fail a roll, but something else brilliant can happen. Exactly, yeah. So it, it, you can it, either, it's... yeah. You yeah. pass on to yourself, or you pass on to your your colleague, or yeah. you know you 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 miss the stormtrooper, but you hit the hit the steam pipe above his head. Yeah, yeah. It. It's just wonderful. It's so cinematic. Um, and then there is there is real mechanics in there for if you can't think of anything, this is what you can do. Yeah. Um, it's great if you're feeling narrative and cinematic, and it feels okay. really like the movies to me when you're doing that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I should just remind you, we aren't allowed to talk about failing forward because obviously we've we completely rejected that out of hand. It, it no longer exists. In, it's in it's the not world. failing forward. It's failing with potential advantages. It's it's, it's it's failing sideways. It's failing sideways. It's, <laughs> it's it's it, it's failing forward under a cloak, and it's not allowed. 
But I actually, I have to say, I do agree with you. Star Wars, I think the Star Wars sort of, you know, could do. and also uh, Legend of the Five Rings uses a similar system, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but anything published by FFG, I think it started originally with Warhammer 3rd Edition, which a lot of Warhammer players didn't actually like because they thought it was quite board gamey, and it was. I mean, all the components for it were, were mm. immeasurable, but, but it, it was the start of those narrative dice systems, which then got refined into Star Wars, and as you say, I think they're now in Legend of the Five Rings as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. That was the Genesis system. I was going to say Genesis, yeah. Of course, yeah, absolutely. So so in terms, Andrew, from, from yourself then, I'm not going to tie you down to absolutely one now, but in terms of skill tests and stuff, but is the, the things that are sort of floating your boat, you're sort of saying, was kind of that chaos and... Yeah, it's, it's the, the, as I said, for me, it's a D100. It's just because I can, you know, I can look at a skill and know that I've got a, a you know, mm. I can know if I've still... Got a reasonable chance of success or not, you know. Okay. Okay. Power gamer and me coming out, you know. (laughs) (laughs) The power gamer. Debbie, uh, can I come to you now? It's a skill test. You you talked about Star Wars there. Have you played much Star Wars there? Yeah, I've played. I've played a reasonable bit. I think I've played Escape from Wash Shooter, the the, uh, the scenario in the beginner box, about four times. Okay, and I've run it twice. So, um, it's so, so yes, bit. yes, <laughs> a bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, is that would that be? I mean, we are. We, we, I say we, we're going to have a look in this sort of a series two. We're going to be having a look at uh, science fiction in particular. Um, so, so you are already invited onto the next uh, series. What uh, would that be the one though that you would use as your exemplar that, that is the best example of skill tests for you, or would there be something slightly different that you'd ever have a look at? I've got sort of like three shining examples. So FFG Star Wars is one for me. Okay. Um another one is um what's it, Savage Worlds. Okay. So you've got your 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 skill level is your is your dice type. Yeah, and you have a wild card, which is a D six. Your dice explode, and it's whichever one's the highest. Mm-hmm. And usually, for for a normal skill test, your um, success target is a four. Okay, so, and then and then you have raises on. It's yeah. the number of raises then that you have, isn't it? So yeah, so okay. if you get number four, it's a raise. Okay, and that's that's quite fun. I have played quite a lot of style, uh, style Savage Worlds as well. Is there any particular setting you've used for, for Savage Worlds that you played it in? I've played quite a lot. The first person who ever did online gaming with me was a mad keen fan of Savage Worlds. So I've played quite a few different settings. We've did, we okay. did a we did a Flash Gordon one. Okay. Uh, done lots of Lord of the Rings. Um, and it, and it translates well. The the system itself yeah. works in all those categories and stuff. There's no. Yeah. Yeah, you we know, did like Roaring Twenties and done all sorts. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you said there were three: FFG, Star Wars, Savage Worlds. What was the other one? Uh, liminal. So, all liminal. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish you could see the level of smugness has just gone up in the. Uh... <laughs> Absolutely. <I'm> <laughs> it's that's that's not true at all he's being very modest but he's he's running around the room holding up some sort of trophy now it's extraordinary uh liminal yeah what is uh, it about what is it about liminal that particularly appeals to you i love the setting but that's not we're talking not what we're talking about but mm. for my poor brain i've only just started running games at conventions so for my poor little brain to try and keep a story in there and a set of mechanics yeah i like i like simple 
Okay. Have liminal is simple. 2d6 plus your stat. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Have I succeeded? Couple of situational modifiers if it's dark or whatever. Jobs are easy. Every, you can explain it in the first five minutes to your players you've never played before. <clears throat> Done. You're into the game. I think you're right. And, and if only we had somebody who'd be able to explain why they used that system on the pod. But maybe that'll have to wait for another time. I don't know. But, maybe, um... Yeah, I can't imagine why we'd find someone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I absolutely agree. And funny enough, all, all three of those Savage Worlds, I'm, I am less familiar with, but having played it, I, I did find it all a little bit confusing because I wasn't sure when I was supposed to play a card or which dice I was supposed to use. But but you're right, it, it is a good. I think once you get into it, it works. And funny enough, on the last uh, the last episode, we had Mark uh, from the Champions podcast, and they've been playing Savage World, Savage Worlds Weird West. Is it yeah. Weird West? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Weird West, yeah. And if, if you get the chance, listen to the podcast, because it's absolutely brilliant. Really, really good fun. But uh, FFG Star Wars, yeah, uh, yeah. similarly, I think it's I think it's interesting. At first, it's a bit sort of, you look at all those dice and you sort of think, oh, no, hang on a second, what the hell does that one mean? You know, have, have I actually passed or failed? But again, once you get into that interpretation of it, which I think is good, and I think if you've got a group of people who can interpret it well, I think it works works really well. But yeah, liminal, I think is you're absolutely right, and I'm not you know pumping any more sunshine in Paul's direction. But it is it's it's a it's a great it's a great system. I think. Good game. Okay, so on, on that, uh, Paul, uh, if I could turn to you, how how can I top that? <laughs> I don't know. Plug your next game, maybe. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to no. uh, I've moved on from think... D6s. I'm on D12s now. <laughs> Three-sided D12, four pyramids or whatever it was that Andrew was talking about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this D4 dice pool system does seem superb, doesn't it? As... No, so, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing in terms of... So one thing I did in preparation here was try to break down what the different dice systems are. Right, OK. So I don't know. So, I mean... If, so if just by, sorry, just, just if this turns into a maths lesson now, you could be on pretty stony ground. Oh but... no, it's going to be bad, isn't it? <laughs> we'll come with you though. Crack yeah, on. So, so one, so one class of things would be, I suppose, <coughs> roll under your skill, roll under your stats, whatever. Yeah. So again, we've already talked about the D hundred systems. There's D twenty versions of that appearing, for yeah, example, indeed. Simba room and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragon. Other very common thing is to roll, you know, a die or a couple of dice and add your skill. Mm-hmm. So that would include, you know, so again, powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. That would include, actually, that would include D&D. It would include yeah. the dreaded T word, which we're not allowed to mention <laughs> on this podcast. No, you can talk about the one ring. That's okay. Oh, okay, yeah. So that, that, but that's another type where you roll a lot of dice where it's depending to do with your skill and you yeah. count the dice up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the One Ring would do that. Talking about Star Wars games, the old West End game Star Wars did that, of course. Okay. Then you've got dice pools where you're counting dice over a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So again, Andrew mentioned that with the uh, sort of dreaded World of Darkness. I mean, another one actually is an implementation where I quite like is the Free League games, things like yeah. sort of, you know, Vazen and Tales from the Loop. Then we're coming in to things where you've got something very narrative using special dice mm-hmm. or doing clever tricks actually using ordinary dice so then yeah. you've got 2d20 for example i think i would classify that way 
usually roll over target number, but yeah. numbers of times you are under the target number, yeah. you get additional successes. Yeah, okay. There are other sets where you roll a bunch of dice depending on your skill and choose the best one. Mm-hmm. Then you could say have step dice, like in Savage Worlds, where your skill is a dice. Yeah. And the better your skill, the bigger the dice you roll. And then various ways of mixing and matching those. Yeah, so, okay, to avoid repeating sort of Andrew and Debbie's points, yeah. I do like I do like the sort of, again, this Year Zero engine, the stuff in the Free League games. So I think I'll mention that. Okay. The Mutant Year Zero engine. Yeah. Which essentially is sixes are successes. Yeah. And, then and number- I, do, I do like the one ring system as well. That's okay. doing clever things with that type of idea just to get a couple of things out there yeah are they gonna, are they going to change the way with this new edition are they going to change the way it operates or are they sort of just fine tuning it do you know it's a it's a fine tuning okay uh, do you have do you have like a club of game designers somewhere like a gentleman's club where you'll sit around in green leather chairs and in smoking jackets and discuss. Sort of, so I could say, oh, when I was talking to my friend Francesco, he said it wasn't changing <laughs> substantially, that sort of thing. <laughs> Over the port. Did you say to Francesco, I wouldn't I wouldn't mess it around too much if I were you, Fran. Yeah, yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> you had the right ideas last time. Okay. No, but judging by the updates on the Kickstarter and on the page, it's not substantially changing. There's a lot, there is fine tuning involved. <laughs> You know, I do not affirm or deny the existence of secret sort of game designers club. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going down, I'm going down a path now with that. I've, I've just lost it. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, I, was, I was wondering who was going to be the butler. Would it be, uh, would it be Dirk, Dirk the Dice? Would he be coming in with trays of brandies? You know, <laughs> if there was a club, no, like no he made me do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe do, he's maybe doing it, grog me, hasn't he? Bring him a coffee. Mm. Yeah. Boy, boy, as he yeah, snaps his fingers. Bring me a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the Game Designers Gentlemen's Club. There's got to be a name for that somewhere. Uh, Blighty, come on. Sorry. <laughs> Debbie, you, you can come in. You can come okay. into the Game Designers Gentlemen's Club. But, no, uh, that's all right, then. <laughs> you're welcome. I, I, I don't know whether you're an associate <laughs> member or uh, fully paid up. I'll be an associate member because I've not yet written a game. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're all in that club. That's, that's the poorer club next door uh, where I am. Uh, Blythe, I'll come to you now. Mm. Skill tests. Having just had a masterclass in about 15 or 16 different ways of interpreting dice. Well, it's interesting because you've probably all, you've all stolen my thunder a bit because my, my three mm. were Call of Cthulhu, Savage Worlds. And year zero, um, particularly, but I, I, I have different reasons for picking Savage Worlds and Freely. My, I have a strange relationship with skill tests because over the years, my kind of position on it's changed a bit. Because okay. I can remember the first modern game I bought was Numenera. And Numenera has this thing of difficulty levels. Yeah. And, and D&D, 5th edition, has difficulty levels. And lots of games have difficulty levels where the mm-hmm. games master sets a difficulty level. And I've discovered over the years that that drives me nuts. <laughs> I hate it. Is, it. is it the thought of confrontation or you're not good No, no, numbers? what it is, it, what it is is like, what, what's, 
I don't know how difficult it is to kick a barn door in, do I? <laughs> I don't know. Why it's, you know, like Numenera has this thing of one to 10. So it, it's, I'll get on to Savage Worlds and Free League in a minute, but it has this thing of one to 10 and you, you get the game. And I remember thinking, this is fantastic. This is a great idea, isn't it? Because everything you do, you can rate from one to 10. So mm-hmm. that, that's good, isn't it? But then you, you get into this weird, as a games master, you get into this weird position where you go, okay, I'm, I'm going to pick this lock. How how hard is it to pick this lock? Oh, four out of 10. No, three out of 10. No, five out of 10. I don't know. And then someone could say, well, the lock we picked last time was three out of 10. Is this, this more difficult? Um, yes. I don't know. And, and also what you find with difficulty levels is as the characters get better, the, there's a pressure to make things more difficult. Otherwise, it's not a challenge. Sort of need a default to deviate from, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I like Free League and Savage Worlds, because Savage Worlds says roll a four or more. So your dice go up, but roll a four or more. Free League, most of the games, I mean, Tales from the Loop and Vesin are the, the sim- well, two of the simplest kind of versions, just says roll these handful of dice, and if you get a six, you've done it. And that's great, because it doesn't interrupt the flow of play. So, for example, we were playing a game of Vason a few months ago, and one of the players said that he was going to drive a coach, and he was driving a coach, and he said, I'm going to drive this coach and horses through this mob of Christian fanatics who'd come to kill to kill the trolls. And oh, I just okay. went, oh, right, okay, it's an agility, agility roll, I think I said. Agility roll, roll it, you roll the six, you've done it. Whereas in other, if you have difficulty levels, you're in that problem of, how hard is it to drive a coach and horses through a Christian mob? I don't know how hard it is. It, it's, it's not very easy. I've tried it a couple of times. From experience. They, they, yeah. try and, they try and get out of the way, which is extraordinary. Yeah. I'd say about a seven. See, Numenera, that's borderline impossible. <laughs> You're superhuman. Well, but, in, in that, world, world of Darkness, you'd never get it because you've only got fours. Yeah. You'd never get it because you wouldn't understand what you're doing. But no, that's I, true. I, I think... What I, since I left. Yeah, I, I just think I just think that, that's one of my key things with uh, these days now. I think it used to be, but these days with skill tests, it's it's not so much the mechanic; it's more the idea of having a simple to yeah. do something. If you're rolling, there's there's a sense you'll fail. So mm-hmm. this is what you have to roll. And the good thing about Savage Worlds and Free League is you can tweak it a bit. So you can say, for example, in Tales of the Loop from the Loop, if it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. You need two sixes, two successes rather than one. So you can make it a bit more difficult, but that's quite kind of manageable. From a games master's perspective, it is manageable mm-hmm. because you're only tweaking. It's like with Savage Worlds, you can say, okay, uh, to do this, you need a raise. So you need basically an eight or more rather than a four. And that's all a bit like Debbie said, when you're running games at conventions, it's kind of easy to manage, isn't it? Because you just have to think, you know, I, I want to pick the lock, right, okay. Roll, roll these dice, get yeah. get the required number. If, if for example, in Tales from the Loop, you were trying to hack into some metal door of a government lab, you might go, that's quite difficult, so give me two successes. But I don't have to worry about, like D&D, where you've got these difficulty levels, it's a 12, 11, 13, 15. Yep. I don't know. And, and I, that's why I, I think, for me, those two systems, Savage Worlds and the Year Zero engine, are the best for skills. And I, I think the other thing as well, and this is probably where the Year Zero engine just just gets it over Savage Worlds, I quite like, it's not just the skill mechanics, I, I quite like the number of skills. I don't like too many skills. Call of Cthulhu has too many skills. 
it's too just too many and I, I used to really like that years ago when I was younger but now I find it infuriating that you've got history and archaeology or you've got charm persuade intimidate and fast talk I mean if you can charm someone you can persuade you mean 90% in charm but you can't persuade someone that is another thing mm-hmm. that keeps the game simple keeps the game running and moving that you're not you're not having you've not got hundreds of blooming skills to look at and worry about yeah uh, again as you'd anticipate um from uh, uh from dirk's manservant you speak an awful lot of sense uh as his sort of as his sort of northern based jeeves to you you know the answers you know the answers really it's it's quite interesting actually because we, we, took, we sort of talked about the mechanic of rolling and almost we sort of got into this sort of well you know okay, what dice are we going to use and how's it going to but actually how difficult is the task or how do you arrive at the difficulty level that's that's probably probably the way to sort of look at it now we, we've got and it was part of Kay's um, presentation on characteristics, where we took the vampire, uh, vampire of the masquerade, uh, the, the the three by three box. Now, if you have that three by three box, you could you could do. Now, the only problem is the character generation system is from Chaosium. It's from Call of Cthulhu. But what you could do is you could take those nine uh, characteristics, and then actually they become. You, you're putting the points into those is what determines how you then have the skill. Because if you look at things like the 2D20 system, it's it's sort of characteristic and trait or trait skill or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And that's the bit that determines how many dice, if it were, that we've got to the Mutant Year Zero engine. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I'm a bit surprised you didn't talk about seven Cs. Which, which well, seven, yeah, seven, seven C's is interesting, isn't it? Because it, it's odd. You know, mm. It's odd in as much as you can't really fail, but the skill checks just tell you how much you can do yeah. in either a scene or a round, which is a strange way. I mean, you you can you can fail. You could fail because yeah. if you were just rolling a few D10s, you could possibly not get a 10. If you rolled two or three D10, you could possibly not get it. Well, once you're rolling yeah. five, six, seven, eight, sometimes nine D10s, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be able to get a group of ten out of that. So it's less about failing and more about what you can do and what you can avoid as well in terms yeah. of harm in the round. And it is a it does. I mean, we we played every day. It, it yeah, does yeah. it does work, but it's I, I don't know if it's I don't see ideal way of doing things. I think it's an unusual, <laughs> interesting way of doing things, but it's it, not. It wasn't. It was all one of these things where you think, well. You, I could have seen I could have seen seventies doing more, as Debbie was saying, about using uh, that sort of FFG thing, you know, mm-hmm. pirate dice. You know, the number of skull and crossbones you got was you could see that bit working. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was seventh C was more traditional, wasn't it? I don't know if anyone ever ever played that. It was first edition was, yeah. Yeah. So first edition was actually one dice mechanic I haven't gone into mm. is roll and keep. Yeah. Roll a number of D10s equal to your stat plus skill. Yeah. And keep okay. the number equal to your stat. Yeah. And add those together. But I have okay. a feeling okay. I have a feeling my brain has just exploded. <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't really understand that one. But Definitely second edition is is a very kind of narrative game. I mean the idea is yeah. you know, you, yeah. you, start, you then it, describe how you're spending your What's groups it? of tens, yeah. Well, your multiples I of ten. I mean, I did try run, running seventh, seventh, second edition. I got through two sessions, but I found trying to think up with stuff to do for every single skill test 
at the end of the first session, I thought, okay, I've got a bad headache. Yeah. Second session, no, nope, it's a worse headache. Sorry, guys, I can't run this anymore. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it real, it's really kind of creative, isn't it? You've got, you know, you can't have enough, you can't have enough night. You know, you've got to kind of be, you know, it, it's almost. I mean, it. Well, obviously, all games are improv, but that's very improv, isn't it? Yeah, it pushes a lot of that onto the GM. Yeah. I mean, my other my other thing is, I think it's got a great mechanism for it's a great mechanism for swashbuckling fights. It just it's got the same mechanism for swashbuckling fights. It's made into a general system for everything, which is yeah, yeah. It, I, I found it as a game, although I really did enjoy. It, but then you know, I think it's very rare that I don't enjoy playing a game, and it clearly was you know GM'd by by a genius. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what the game needs. Blithy for the avoidance of doubt, but actually, uh, but at points, at points in there, I was sort of thinking, well, you know, I can make more groups of ten, or, or actually, would I rather have rum, sodomy, and the lash, you know? And uh, that probably would have been a bit more preferable. But there we are. I think what what Paul points out as well, though, and this is true of Seven C, but it's also true of um, people who like this kind of skill checks where it's success but success at cost. Mm. I always think it's all right that. As long as you can keep thinking of the butts and the costs, yeah, and and everyone thinks they're great, but it can be a bit a bit wearing at times if you're running a game where people keep failing and it's fail but fail at a cost, and you can always think of an example where that that's interesting and you come up with some great idea of what the cost is. Yeah, but sometimes when I'm games mastering games like that, I just think, oh, I, you, you just do it. I can't be bothered with the cost. Can't be bothered with it. I'm, I've been playing this for four hours and I can't be bothered, or I can't think of anything. And it can be a bit of a can be a bit of a drain. There is something to be said for, uh, yeah, you've done it. No, you've not. Yeah, you've, you've... we tried some of that. We tried um, some Power by the Apocalypse games in our in my normal gaming group, and the guy that was running it, he he found it quite difficult. I think we only lasted about three or four sessions. Mm. Now I've I've played it quite a lot. Sheffield's got its own um, Powered by the Apocalypse convention. And I, wow. I've, I've gone to that as it last three or four years. I can't remember how many years I've been going. Uh-huh. I love it. And it's always run wonderfully by wonderful GMs. And you're like, this is an amazing system. I love it. It's wonderful. I like this. Yes, yes, and, and yes, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that would, for me, I think that would be really difficult to run, though I am going to challenge myself to try and present a game of it, a game at the next convention. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, creativity in a one-off is is kind of one thing, but when you're having to tr- try and be yeah. creative for four hours every Tuesday, it kind yeah. of gets you know it's. Yeah. I, I don't really see how they'd lend themselves to campaigns. I think they're more I mean, one shots. I've played I've played a campaign of masks with a couple of really good GMs, you know, but mm. I mean that that's my only Power by the Apocalypse game I've played. I mean, I really enjoyed it once I got the hang of it, yeah. you know, but um. It was a real learning curve for me, you know, because it's Master Superhero game. And it's kind of, yes, you know, I mean, superhero games, obviously, I'm used to kind of things like Golden Heroes, where you kind of go yes. out and punch Thanos. But in kind of Mask, you, you can punch Thanos, but then you have to explain to the rest of the team how you feel about punching Thanos. Yeah, you, you, you've succeeded, but but now you feel a little bit sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and why why do you feel sad? And who are you gonna who are you gonna tell that you feel sad? You know, and then how do they react to it's it's it, it I said, you know, it's a bit it, it I found it a really steep learning curve, you know. Yeah. But uh, once once I got into it, I, I enjoyed it. But but yeah I, I think I agree with what Andrew just said. I, I think it, I've played run 
player and run monster of the week and, and it's a really nice game mm-hmm. but i've run it as one shots um mm-hmm. the idea of running it long term with yeah. all the success but i think andrew said it, it could be a bit kind of wearing at times yeah maybe we, we, we sort of in, in a previous episode we got we got in a bit of hot water with people and a few people were very sort of uh, i think a little bit on the patronizing side but you know saying that we didn't really understand but i think this is what you've just said there is exactly that sort of sensibility it's great in very, very short doses, because all the work is entirely on the GM. Oh, no, you know, now I now I've, you know, I have punched Thanos, but I've got to go and explain to his children why I did it, you know, and I'm going to be made an example of, I'll get lines now. So, uh, no, you, you punch Thanos, he goes unconscious. Don't, there's no psychoanalysis here. Okay, good. PBTA games, now, they're, very explicitly designed for sort of a short run of about six or so sessions. Yeah. And that's it. Mm. So again, I've, I've run monster of the week that way for about six sessions. Mm. And I don't think I could have gone longer. No. It's odd really. That they, is there any advice? Well, in with advancement and everything else. You almost yeah. have the game after six or so sessions. Yeah. You've reached the end of the sort of psychoanalysis that you can give to the people that you punched. I oh, know it works. Okay, so so uh, Blyther, you you've, you've you, you did mention three: Call of Cthulhu, Savage Worlds, Mutant Year Zero. Uh, Debbie, you've gone for FFG, Star Wars, Savage Worlds, Liminal. Paul went for Mutant Year Zero, One Ring. Uh, Andrew, uh, Chaosium, but the one that you've mentioned specifically was sort of Call of Cthulhu, Seventh Edition. My, my one, just to show that I'm not a complete dinosaur, it's not Merps. You'll be amazed, and I'm and I'm also not going to say Liminal, although I do like Liminal very much. I'm going for a new one. This one, jackals. Although back to front, that's slack edge in, in your <laughs> camera. It's actually jackals, uh, which is an osprey game. Uh, I got hold of this little one. It, uh, actually, it, Doc Griffiths. At the same sort of time, we, we both sort of saw it. And thought, oh, okay, I quite fancy that. And he, he got there first, and of course, as he does, reads it from cover to cover, and then tells you what's wrong with it. But actually, with this one, he couldn't really say what was wrong with it. Now, it is, the skill tests in this are percentile. And, and you do have a similar sort of character generation bit where, where you go through, and it's it's allocation to skills. Fewer skills, Blythe, than Call of Cthulhu, significantly fewer skills. Uh, but the mechanic, that I think the reason why it sort of works quite well and is quite sort of, apart from the fact that the setting's quite interesting, sort of Middle Eastern, uh, sort of, they call it Bronze Age um, fantasy role-playing, the setting's quite interesting, quite good fun. So is it Somalia type? Yeah. To be honest with you, it, it, it's like Israel and all the various sorts of cultures that have been in and around Israel, but including things like, you know, the Greeks are there under a, a slightly different guise. I think they're called Luathi in this. But, but the reason why I like this skill test system is there is a characteristic. So there's a percentage base that you come up with your skill and, uh, and you roll percentile dice. But if you, if you, and it does have, it has the equivalent of sort of, you know, uh, fake points or luck points where you can change a role. But the, the thing I like most about it is you've got critical successes and critical failures, the usual sort of 5% band at either end. But what you have is if you roll doubles, it's a critical. And then the, the way that you would resolve sort of, you know, everybody getting criticals is the one that's higher, is the one that wins. And it's a lovely little system. What, what happens if you fail but roll a double? Is that a critical failure? Uh, I'm going to say yes. But it's certainly a failure. 
yet. Mm-hmm. I've got to, yeah, it, it definitely, it's definitely a, a, a critical failure. I think if you roll uh, ninety-five to one hundred, okay. and now now I'm I'm so, being so I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting questions for God's sake, Andrew. <laughs> I was expecting you to bow down before my expertise and and be shocked that I'd mentioned a game that was actually released before nineteen eighty well, after nineteen eighty. Right? <laughs> so. So, so I know Jackals, but it's yeah. also based on my friend Newt's game, Open Quest. Yeah, indeed. That makes yeah. sense, yeah. yeah. Which, of course, has that sort of mechanism you described. Yeah. But I feel morally obliged to mention Open Quest because okay. I'm missing the game of Open Quest to be at this podcast tonight. Uh, I'm sorry. Was, was he, was he uh, GMing you on that as well? He was, yeah. Oh, dear. He's not. He's not going to give me my uh, my um, Kickstarter fulfilment now, is he? Because I've stolen you. Are you going for the signed edition? He'll probably write something nasty in it now. It's like <laughs> it is now. It's just it'll a big, signed, it'll, be like, it'll have a big cock and balls in it or something like that. I suspect. Uh, but I, but I, okay. Well, in, in which case, then I'm not going to say it's jackals. I'm going to say it's Open Quest is where I've gone. Open Quest is the system that I'm going to go for, and I can edit this. <laughs> so, so you'll all get oh, Open Quest. You mean, the, you mean the cock and balls comment won't be in the final release? Version. Oh no, that'll be in it. Yeah, <laughs> just in the middle of a very long period of invective, it will just say cock and balls. Uh, <laughs> it won't. Uh, <laughs> but that's where I'm going to. I'm going to get. In which case, I'm going open quest stroke jackals for mine. Okay. So now I'm going to try and tie you down. So after all that we've heard and all we've discussed, then Andrew, I'll come back to you at first because you're the first to put your head head over the parapet. You originally said chaosium, yeah, and and Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition. You, you sort of talked about in particular. Have you have you changed your mind, or would you like to? Uh, Go no, for one final. No, I'm gonna. I'm still gonna go for. Uh, said so, so the D100 infamous chaos and D100. So yeah, be Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition as the kind of it, latest it, one of the best implementations of that system. It is a strong contender, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, Debbie, uh, uh, seems a very long time ago, and before the uh, various comments that we've just had, uh, you said FFG Star Wars. You said Savage Worlds, and you said Liminal. Which of those three are you going to uh, to put in as the skill test system? I think I'm going to plump for Liminal because of what my brain can cope with. <laughs> and at, at this point, I think you know, uh, coping coping brain wise is no bad thing for this game. It's a point, is it, Debs? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Shocking bribery and corruption. Uh, Blythe, you said Call of Cthulhu, Savage Worlds, Mutant Year Zero. Uh, now, we already have one nomination for Call of Cthulhu. So it uh, really ought to be Savage Worlds or Mutant Year Zero. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know whether Paul's going to nominate Year Zero. So if I nominate it, it gets two nominations, doesn't it? No, so... he'll have to think of something else. <laughs> Will he? Oh, well, okay then. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, well, if I'm being absolutely honest. I would say year zero. Well, I'm just, I'm just flummoxed now. <laughs> well, let's see what if you're going to say year zero, I'll say Savage Worlds. No, I'll think of something else. Let's be honest, because then I can vote for year zero. All right, year <laughs> zero then. There you go. Tactics. Paul, Paul uh, out of the uh, ended up being nine different types of dice roll that we could possibly have gone for. Uh, what is going to be your final? Originally, you said Mutant Year Zero or the One Ring was the other one that you put in there. Which, uh, but 
I think I will go for the one ring, basically because of the fun of things like hope and shadow and the way that works. Yeah. And also the fun that on the D12, come on, you've got a Gandalf room and an Eye of Sauron. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's nicer than a player? If you're a GM, what is nicer than a player rolling an Eye of Sauron? Uh, for some reason, I thought that was a personal question. <laughs> what? There's nothing nicer than that. Ooh. Instant death, I suspect. Something gory would be... Uh, it, but that's what the implication is of a, a, a Eye of Sauron. Yeah, it's an implication it? yeah. that something unpleasant is going to happen, and that's fun. Crit- critical hit table, Merp. There we are. I'd get it in at, at some stage. <laughs> So we're going to go with one ring specifically for the eye of sound. Actually, what you did do, you you, you landed on one thing there as you were sort of talking. About. In fact, I think the various times everybody said it. What we are going to have to have as as a subject, if you like, is what do we do around things like luck points, or you know, fate points, or whatever that might be. I think that's also very much a part of the skills thing. Yeah. So for again. Call of Cthulhu D100 or under yeah that's that's fine, but what makes that sing is pushing rolls and luck. Yeah. Or again, the yeah. Year Zero engine that's fine, but what makes that sing is pushing rolls. So what we might have to then say is okay, so we, we but we take it all. So it, but it, it is topic, but it's linked. Yeah, I, I I think probably end up putting putting in. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm actually going open quest. I don't know what the hell made me say jackals. I was lying through my teeth open quest is the one that i really love uh it's not actually that's not how i'm going to vote but you know so uh, so the final five contestants that we had and remember you cannot vote for your own uh andrew call of cthulhu seventh edition very strong very strong that is the eye of sauron from paul with the bottom ring blighty went mooten year zero debbie went with liminal and of course i went with uh jackals open quest so We'll, we'll we'll kind of go a little bit in reverse order, I think, this time then. So, Paul, you cannot vote for the one ring. Yeah. So your choices are Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition, Mutant Year Zero, Liminal, or Open Quest. Oh, this, this is difficult. Mm. This is very difficult because they're all things I like. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of them had a hand in. Yeah. And, well, there's three things I like, and one of them is Liminal. <laughs> <laughs> You've got two things that you're on. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's the case. That's true, actually. I can't morally vote for Open Quest or Liberal. <laughs> I did suggest Year Zero. That's the one I was going to vote for. M- m- morality doesn't come into this, you understand that. You, you can be as partial as you want. Just... I am going to vote for the Year Zero engine. Mutant Year Zero. Year Zero. Two, two nil. Two nil. Andrew. Uh, you cannot obviously vote for Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. I thought it was going to run away with it. <laughs> we have uh, Sauron's uh, One Ring, the One Ring. Uh, sorry, Paul, I wasn't calling you Sauron there, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> He's Gandalf with that beard, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, the One Ring, inclusive of Sauron's One Eye. Blythe's uh, Mutant Year Zero. Liminal. Or open quest. It's a really difficult choice. I mean, obviously, open quest is tempting as a D one hundred system, which is essentially what I what I proposed. But uh, I I do enjoy I do enjoy the um, 
the new Zero system. Um, certainly most of the games I've played that use it anyway. We won't mention Forbidden Lands. Um, just because just because it is a nice, simple system and it gives me the ability to know how good I am or otherwise, I'm going to vote for Liminal. Liminal. Yeah. As Debbie is now uh, cavorting around, uh, dancing with uh, Pooh Bear. <laughs> By the way, your, your cat was very interested in Pooh Bear a little bit, little bit ago. Uh, that won't make any sense to anybody listening to this. <laughs> Sorry. It's better on film, isn't it? We should, we should, we should do it. At Blythe, um, uh, you can't vote for Mutant Year Zero. No. Call of Cthulhu, The One Ring, Liminal, Open Quest. What's it going to be? I think, if I'm being completely honest, I'd have to vote for Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. I don't I don't like the number of skills it's got, but then I've played a lot of it, so I know it very well. I've enjoyed it. I always go back to it. And mm-hmm. I like some of the the way they've refined it with the different levels of success. And but like Paul said, they've got luck and pushing roles. They've got all those things built in. So I'd I'd you know, honest, in all honesty, I'd have to vote for that. Yeah. It it leaves me in a really difficult position now because whatever happens, unless I vote for Mutant Year Zero now, for those of you playing along at home. <laughs> we haven't done that bit yet. You can play along at home. Uh, okay, so I can't vote for Open Quest Stroke Jackals, um, and nobody else has. Uh, I'm not going to vote for the One Ring. Uh, Eye of Sauron. Uh, I find it a little bit intimidating. Call of <laughs> Call of Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition. I absolutely love Call of Cthulhu. I think, as you said, Bloody, I always go back to it. Always go back to it at some stage. I, I do rather like Mutant Year Zero. But but also, I do love Liminal. And this is the first time I've had the opportunity to uh, to, to, to vote for Liminal, because I'm usually the one who, who nominates it. I'm going to go Liminal. I'm going to go Liminal. Success level. Uh, 2d6, what could be, you yeah, know, add skill. Happy days. So we have a tie. We have a tie. Uh, we've got one vote for uh, Call of Cthulhu 7th edition I'm terribly sorry and it doesn't make it in one ring and open quest have gone by the way but we have we have to have a we have a vote off again we have uh, Blythe's Mutant Year Zero engine domination we have Debbie's uh, Liminal we have to vote so you can only vote uh, Mutant Year Zero or Liminal it doesn't matter you 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 vote with your own conscience uh, and, and the winner is, is so I'm I'm going to come to uh, uh, I'm going to start with Paul Paul Mutant Year Zero or Liminal what are you going for well, I mean there's a chance for Liminal to win a round on the Frankenstein's RPG podcast <laughs> and my conscience says I can't resist that so I'm going to vote for Liminal 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 and let's face it I do like the system I mean you know, <laughs> there's no vanity attached to this at all for God's sake yeah. Think of it's think, written by a mathematician, isn't it? <laughs> think think of the stories you'll be able, you'll be able to tell down the uh, the game designers gentlemen's club later. Oh on. yes, absolutely. I won. Uh, Debbie, uh, you, you can now vote for Liminal if you wish to, or you could go with uh, Mutant Year Zero. Has Blythe managed to sway you enough? Oh no, definitely not. My heart lies with Liminal. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it works. I, I wrote my first scenario for it. The only scenario I've ever written. I love that system. I'm voting for Liminal. <laughs> right. Liminal, it's 2-0. And as, as Paul 
quite rightly pointed out, being the mathematician that he is, that's two votes for Liminal so far. Blythe, Mutiny Zero, Liminal. Well, I, I, yeah, it would be ridiculous if I voted for Liminal, given that Year Zero was my suggestion. I have to go with Year Zero. <laughs> I have to vote on my conscience, don't I? Liminal's, Liminal's very good. It's very good. But I'd be a, I would, it would it'd be poor, wouldn't it, if I switched vote now? Well, well I did. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you can't. You, you can, but I, I can't. Come on. Andrew, come on. What are you going to go uh, with? Much as I want to go for year zero and take it to a nail-biting uh, Dave's decider, um, <laughs> you have to go for liminal, I'm afraid. Liminal, yeah. And and much as I do like it, and uh, Blythe, I'd love to support you in this liminal for me. Liminal wins. 4-1. Now that is a penalty it's, shootout, isn't it? That, it's just yeah. like, it's like being on that other podcast now. <laughs> you said I was. Always, you said I was always right before, and what's happened now? So there we have it. The 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 skill test system uh, for uh, for the Frankenstein's RPG podcast is liminal. Fantastic, Debbie. A, a debut, and and you're already one up. Now, uh, so we have to move on to the second session now. Uh, which is careers and uh, and uh, classes, careers and some sort of system for uh, you know having having careers or classes. Or alternatively, going completely uh, freestyle. We had we had a couple of, of people sort of came through on on, on Twitter, uh, and I guess I have to say this started. So Neil Walker was a very catchy Twitter handle, which is at NeilWow0404-7653. don't know whether it's his phone number. Uh, says, if you don't mention traveller careers, uh, I'll be lynched. Which tells you everything you need to know about traveller players. They are violent to the end. Uh, and, and in fact, Robin Worthy now owns Mongoose Traveller because of us. So I'm not entirely sure how I haven't managed to put him off, but... But well done. So, uh, traveller careers. I'll, I'll say it straight away. It is a brilliant system. I, in fact, I'm going to go first, and, and I am going to say traveller. Uh, it, it breaks all conventions. I feel I feel quite like I've soiled myself really by saying it, uh, and and it should really be reserved for science fiction. Uh, but but uh, I am going to say it. I'm going to say traveller. Now I was, I was going to sort of purge myself there. Uh, Judge Blythe, you'll be the judge of this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, possibly the most fun I've had character generation-wise has been in, in Traveller with that sort of sense of impending doom, you know, of, of dying during character creation, which I do rather like. But but is it a, is it a cheap, tawdry gimmick? Uh, well, I guess you'll, you'll all make that up. And I'm not sure exactly how we could do it, but, you know, it's a tours of duty. Uh, randomised, which I like. I, I, I don't because we've talked a little bit about this before in things like character generation. One of the things that I would always, almost always, default to is a particular type of character. Do you know what I mean? A particular type of, you know, like a thief or something like that. Usually, so I quite like that. So I, I am going to say traveller. The traveller career system uh, is the way that I would want to Frankenstein's RPG podcast to uh, to start with looking at careers. There we go. Stunned you all. <laughs> Stunned you, into you, silence. You are all looking very, very yeah, shocked. I'm just shocked. 
Definitely when you told me I was barred when I said I like Traveller. <laughs> well, uh, it, it was it was the the volume of threats that I've had. Um, Is, you, you sure you're not just scared, Dave? <laughs> don't let the don't let that sort of, yeah. <laughs> it's a fear vote. Yes. All the, all the Traveller fans like you have your dogs back now. <laughs> <laughs> How fine I can see behind you saying, "Help me!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm in Carl Clare's basement. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Danny mind control. I think. He's not really, doesn't really mean it. Does he? I, I can see. Gosh, I can see three traveller fans outside your window. <laughs> Go away! All of them. <laughs> All of them in very cheap balaclavas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that's fair. I, it's not a stress. It's not a stress reaction. I, do, I genuinely, I do think traveller careers is good fun. Tours of duty. It is very fun character creation. Yeah. No, it, is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Not the hell. I, I'm not sure how the heck we're going to get it into uh, into a fantasy game. But you know, nothing else fits. So why should that? Good. That's me. Uh, so uh, Paul. Uh, if okay. if I can if I can just ask my handlers to step out of the room, uh, as you uh, as you lambast traveller all on your own, what? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just getting in with the theme of the podcast. <laughs> I'm not sincere. Don't worry. Don't come after me on Twitter. <laughs> he hates traveller. He hates traveller. He told me he did. <laughs> come on, so with. I can't remember what I was saying now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of class type systems, I want yeah. one of two things. Okay. Either sort of kind of fairly loose archetypes where you've got a lot of flavour. Yeah. Or, or yeah, well, actually, or a lot of flavour. Okay. So one thing I could dangle before you of having huge amounts of flavour mm. would be Spire. Yeah. So it's a game where you're sort of, again, dark elf revolutionaries against the evil high elves. Yeah. But also, the classes are absolutely dripping with flavour and yeah. the abilities of them also. C- covered covered on, on uh, uh, at least one other uh, podcast in, in, in great detail. It was yes. all Anthrex's Gaming Vexes when we played. We played Spire. And it was one of those games where you started off and you thought, what the hell is going on? But but as long as you just you just went for it and really let go, you just go for it, don't you? Yeah. Wow. And and you're right. It, you know, bags of flavour. A little bit of this is what you should be like. But you know, go mad. Yeah. Okay. So so the other thing I'll mention mm. is again in terms of flavour. Actually, there's a lot more flexibility there, and that's the career system of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Yeah. So let's go proper old school. Yeah. But again, you know, the careers, you'd be a board, you could be your rat catcher with the small but vicious dog. Yeah. Working through the careers to what to be what you want to be. You've got exits and things like that. Yeah. Now, now some, somebody on Twitter also suggested Zweihander. Zweihander, because it takes it even further. But yeah, Wolfrup is, is, is good, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Randomised. You can do it randomised. Very, very randomised. And, and the randomisation mm. there is actually part of the fun. And, and not in the career you want to be in, probably. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the, is it um, you get experience points? Is that right? As a, as a sort of a bonus if you go through randomising. Yeah, fourth edition, yeah. you do. So mm-hmm. you can choose. 
or randomise and get the bonus. I, I played I played in a campaign at Roleplay Haven and I rolled I was very lucky and rolled a cavalryman and then my horse got taken off me in the first sort of couple of rounds and I never regained a horse until the very end of the campaign. Which was a, you were just a man. I was, I was, I was, I was just a man. I had no I had no chevalier, yeah. I've got a different career now. Yeah. Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Paul, you've gone for two that are completely different though, Spire and Woofrup, no? But think? I think, yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's a philosophy here. It's just that I like the flavour. <laughs> I hate for anyone to think. We've had in the past, we've had diegetics and uh, uh, all manner of concept in, in, introduced into this podcast. My, thing, is... my feelings about game is uh, gaming and things like that is uh, I really have no philosophy that thinks, oh, I like things like this and don't like things like this. No, good. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Things out of different areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spire. But yeah, you're right. They're very different games. Good, though. We're just about to start a campaign in Woofwoop as well. Hmm. Okay, so uh, Woof, Spire, Spire, Woof. Uh, Debbie, may I come to you next? Elaine. Yeah, careers, stroke classes, stroke whatever it is you want to do. What's your, what's your fancy? What do you think? This one I've struggled with because I tend to not like being constrained by a class very well. Okay. You aren't constrained by a class in life. I know that games aren't real life. You're mm. not constrained by a class in real life. And I find it quite frustrating in some games where you want to be good at something, but you can't because you've picked a class. You can't suddenly you're everything else is excluded. Yeah. So it, it, is there is there an example of that where you feel it is it almost constrains the game? I can't think of one to bring to mind, but I know that I felt like that in the past. Yeah. I've, I've ended up playing a lot of games and I can't just remember. Um, one that I did enjoy was um, Modifius's Mutant Masterminds. That was a long time ago. I can't remember, but I remember the sort of like random character creation through that was quite fun. Yeah. And he ended up with quite a nice character at the end of it, but we haven't played the game for about six years and I still remember that character very fondly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was wonderful. I loved that game. But the one I'm going to go for, I'm going to come back to Savage Worlds because it's completely classless. You just build your, build your take your skills and that's how you build your character. You can do whatever you want to do. Do they sort of use loosely in some of them? They sort of have an archetype, don't they? Or is it your skills sort of inform yeah. what you you then decide how you fit those into sort of you know the description of you as a character? Yeah. 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 So if, so if you want to be if you want to be a rain uh, like a D and D rangery archery, you just like shooting and tracking. Mm. So you just build it. It's a kind of identikit of class. Okay. And then you sort of, you presumably then just pick skills off the back of how you want it to work for you. Yeah. My concept is. Yeah. So you've got you've got a full range of anything. If you want to be a surgeon who's good at singing, you pick medicine and performance. Mm -hmm. I, I've broken up a bar fight with a really good acing role of performance. It was wonderful. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I thought I thought for a moment that was an anecdote about real life there. For no, <laughs> sadly not. <laughs> but that, I mean, that, that is quite good because not only is it a, the system is generic in terms of time and space yeah. and place and whatever, but also then the character generation system works in a sort of similar mode. Yeah, totally, totally toolkit fit, fits anything you want to play. Yeah, good. Savage worlds like savage worlds. They're kind of they are kind of classes in a way, yeah. But you can kind of acquire skill. You know, you, a vampire of a certain clan will tend to have certain abilities, but they can also 
acquire at a cost of abilities outside outside of their plan. Mm-hmm. So, so you do get a bit you do get a bit more freedom, as Debbie was talking was talking about. Um, so you can have sort of different skills and 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 yeah. such. So, but you, you know, but you, but you're building you're building the character that you want as opposed to you're a thief. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the other the other one that struck me as kind of almost being a class but isn't is cults in RuneQuest. You know, oh, um, you're, you're, you're tend to kind of, you know, obviously, you know, some cults will have perceptions like Shalana Avoy can't do violence. They will, they will use sort of spells that will put people down or to sleep or or things, you know, and then you have kind of, um, you know, the Yomalios will tend to use kind of pikes or two-handed spears and large shields. And obviously, Humati will tend to use swords. But within, you know, obviously, RuneQuest is a very kind of, open system you know so as debbie said you can build you can build an archer you could build a rogue you could build yeah there's no there's no kind of um thing on skills certain people obviously certain people from certain cultures will be better at at certain things that character creation but uh whilst as i said certain cults will tend to kind of specialize mm. in certain things so you know you could call that almost a class yeah um well it but it's it's it's, it's not really though. Is it, 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 I think, as, as you sort of quite ably described, there is actually, it's it is stepping out of that very rigid thing of, mm. well, you're not a cleric, you know, because you belong to a particular cult. You are a yeah. a farmer who follows the cult and happens to have these sorts of skills. Yeah, exactly. Of yeah. Yeah. You're you're a farmer who happens to be a member of the game designers gentlemen's club. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it is. I think it's a stealth class system. Mm. Yeah. It is. Yeah. 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 Very good. Like that. And just just slightly out of left field, one for you, Dave. Um, okay. Just because I noticed there's about 150 of them, I'm going to say also going to say role master professions. <laughs> you know. Uh, listen, yeah. I, I can be bought off with things, and, and role master or merp. That's it. You know, it's, you know it, 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 it's not it's not particularly open, but there's so much choice. You could virtually anything you can think of is probably a profession for it. Yeah. At least you've got all the books anyway. It's it's just, yeah exactly yeah which you, which very kindly I got from you so uh, it, but it is it's one of those and you sort of look at it and think life is too short you know <laughs> role master that should actually they should put that underneath <laughs> big banner headline role master underneath life's too short <laughs> <laughs> unless you like it a bit of lonely fun as uh, as Martin calls it. Uh, now blithing. Uh, oh. yeah. Character stroke, classes stroke. I'm going to ignore it and do something completely different. What, what, what floats your boat? <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I, I know what Debbie means about classes. They're, they're kind of a bit of a dirty word, aren't they, classes? Because when people say classes, they think, oh, it's the old, my wizard can't pick up a broadsword, mm. that one. You know, yeah. so it can be restrictive. But, I, but at the same time, I sometimes think that classes, careers, character templates mm. do help players get a foothold in the, the world that they're in. Mm. It's a bit of a two-way thing. So you get these games that have a setting, but you also need some kind of guide for the players in terms of the, the characters that live in this world. Yeah. Not even not even the world, sometimes the, the style of the game as well. So I'm thinking... 
quite like the playbooks empowered by the apocalypse. So again, going back to Monster of the Week, I like Ooh. I like the playbooks in Monster of the Week because what they do is you you, you sit there and it not it doesn't just doesn't just talk about it doesn't give you an idea of the world. It also gives you an idea of the style of character you play in this world. Yeah, and. There, there are things because again, my attitudes changed. I think years ago, when I when I saw something like a playbook, I thought, "Oh no, that that just seems really restrictive." But they're not really restrictive. They're just giving you a bit of a steer, giving you some choices about the kind of character you're playing, and that's that's kind of quite interesting. Um, and again, at the risk of repeating myself, I do like the free league character templates that they do in their games. Mm-hmm. They give you a few pointers, you know, a few ideas, and like Vason gives you a few ideas for Dark Secret, gives you a few ideas for problems and that kind of thing. And I quite like that because mm-hmm. I think it it gives you it gives players an in into the game. I mean, Spire does the same thing, doesn't it? I'm I'm starting to play Spire. Um, I played one session of it, and it's uh, you, you read the rules and you get the setting, but then when you read those character backgrounds. They're not really. They're kind of classes, but they are, they are like templates, really, aren't they? Yeah. More than classes. They're not that restricted. They're, they're almost they, they, templates. They're almost yeah. half on characters. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. They, they do give you a. They do give you a an in a way into the game as a player, and I think yeah. that sometimes that can be forgotten in games because lots of people come at games from a games master's perspective. I know I'm guilty of that. I look at a game and think, "Oh, the setting's good, and this is good, and that's good, and the system's mm. good." But as a player, you know. You want you want a way into it when you when you're playing a game. So, I think Powered by the Apocalypse, Free League, uh, Spire. I I do like. I, I I don't know if this qualifies really because it's more character creation, but I like the two D twenty. Conan's quite good. Yeah, and, and I, I don't even like to mention Star Trek. Science fiction, isn't it? Is that allowed? <laughs> but, it's not, but, it's, but it's not Traveller, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> We're, we're freeforming now. Go. Yeah. Well, that traveler does, that Star Trek does the same thing where it, it gives you the, these choices about your life path and what you've done and what you haven't done and gives you ideas about, um, gives you choices about where you were brought up on such a planet. Mm. Did, did you like it? Did you not like it? That kind of thing. And that gives you, again, it gives you an inroad into that universe. Yeah, I was just saying the other thing that Blythe's brought up, I mean, the systems that he's mentioned, yeah, the powered by the apocalypse and so on and the free league games but actually spire as well is one thing it's got is connections between player characters yeah of that yeah and that's really nice so again to pick on spire again because it was my i suppose because it's my suggestion but it applies just as well to the free league games to vase and say hmm. you've got this idea of you know this character you went on a drunken binge with what did you get up to hmm. or, yeah. again in tales from the loop you've got these other connections, you know, these are the, you'll yeah. go to the same school or something. You're going to the same school, but there's also things like, you know, okay. So when I played it, I was, you know, my character's mother was always sort of stone cold drunk. <laughs> so I was staying over at my friend's house. who was another player character. Is that, is that a question of life imitates art or is that just, uh, just in the game? Okay. Well, in that, I'm not <laughs> listening to this podcast. It's not true. <laughs> I think that's that's true though actually because we we played Mutant Years at the beginning of the year we played Mutant Year Zero mm. and that does a similar thing with connections and, and yeah. what have you and we did it we did a yeah we did a session zero of Mutant Year Zero mm. and by the end of it 
we we did have a sense of how we all connected as characters. And that's really nice, isn't it? So Vazen had the same. Yeah. So when I when I well when I ran that, again one character was another character's servant. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was having great fun with that. How, it, it's, it is that thing. It's, it is interesting when you when you start saying, you know, how do you? And I thought very interesting what you said there, Blythe, about how do you get an in into the game, and and we sort of talk. So when you talk about two D twenty, the Dune Dune system as well is very very good about you know setting up a house. Or sorry, one of the ways that you can play it is that you're setting up a minor house, and then everybody has roles off the back of that, which is which is again is is an interesting way of approaching it. But there's another one which has been mentioned a few times, which is Beyond the Wall, which is where you, again, it's playbooks and stuff. But what you do is you, you start, you, you and uh, Neil, uh, Old Scouser RPing, uh, he uh, was talking about it. He was talking about it in the context of ca- uh, uh, character generation. But what you do is you set up your village. And then various incidences happen during it. Debbie's nodding. Very inst- various incidences happen. And now you have to say, okay, What's the shop in which you had an experience? And bang, oh, the blacksmiths, you know, and 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 you build up the village and your characters, but essentially you end up with fighter, thief, magic user at the end of it. So it's it's interestingly sort of vague, and then boom, there you go, character generation. But an interesting way of doing it. Well, okay, at some stage we've got to come up to, with with some sort of uh, some sort of. Uh, nomination process so i i am i'm i'm gonna stick with traveler even though i think uh, i've been inspired by various bits and pieces that people have said i almost sneaked in beyond the wall um just to keep neil happy uh, but i'm gonna stick with traveler i uh, i you know i i no longer want hate mail uh traveler for me <laughs> uh blithy we'll come to you f- uh after that first so you said powered by the apocalypse playbooks free league and then the life yeah. path Star Trek yeah. 2D. You've got to pick one of those. Which one? Um, I'm at the risk of sounding really boring, repeat myself. I'm going to say Free League. I, a desperate attempt to win something for Free League. <laughs> they promised me. They promised me that Twilight 2000 free. <laughs> but it won't be signed with you know various. Yeah. I, I tend to say I tend to say Power by the Apocalypse, but then I probably like the Free League games more. And I have had good experiences. Yeah, I've run Vason, and it was the, the same, that, as Paul said, mm. people's character built really, really good characters out of it. Okay, yeah. And I've played I've played Tales from the Loop, run Tales from the Loop. Again, really good characters and Mutant Year Zero. Okay. Every time I've played the, the Free League games, people have created, or I've created, great characters that connect with each other. And yeah. So I, I can't really deny that, if I'm honest. Okay. So but are you going to pick on one particular system, Vason? I'd, I'd, I'd probably pick. I'd probably pick Tales from the Loop. Yes, because Tales from the Loop is interesting. In in that, you you think you think it's just about kids on bikes, yeah. but it it has it does have a kind of quite serious and potentially quite dark side to it. Yeah, you know, like Paul's character. You know, your mum's your mum's drunk yeah, and you live. That's it kind of quite dark, isn't it? You know, yeah. yeah it's very dark, and it, it's interesting how invested and how emotional experience it was playing this. Yeah, I was expecting. Yeah, it's just fairly light-hearted fun, but actually, it's it was a it was really emotional. Okay. Yes, I've heard I've heard other people say that. I've heard other people say that they've they've really really kind of invested in it because you've you've. I think what differentiates, I suppose, and this is a bit off the point, uh, you you have been a kid. 
Mm-hmm. It's one of the few role-playing games where you can say, I have actually been that person or yeah. like that. I haven't ever been a wizard <laughs> or a warrior or a Viking. I have been I have been a 13-year-old. I might not have been that 13-year-old, but I can connect with it. And that that is interesting. That is exactly off the point because it's not really to do with the system, but it but it's an interesting element of it. And the 80s references are brilliant if you were a teenager in the 80s, as yeah, you know, most of yeah. us were, you know. Yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> I always wonder about kind of 20-year-olds playing kind of 1980s Tales from the Loop and thinking, like, this is ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I, don't know I don't know why. I, I, have this, I have this desperate urge to roll up a character from Tales of the Loop now. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll play after this session. This is over, right, the podcast. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Okay. <laughs> Good. Okay, Tales from the Loop. Thank you very much. Andrew. What? Vampire of the Masquerade or... or Cults in RuneQuest, Glorantha, and also slipping in there at the end, Rollmaster, but that's just really to appease me. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for cults on the basis that treating them as organizations. So for instance, in Cthulhu, there could be a gentleman's club or you know, so effectively some organization of which some of the players are a member and, and that's so you know, rather than say sort of cult specifically, I'm yep. kind of using the concept of it as a kind of organisation of people with similar interests or... Okay, that then sparks off particular type of characters. Yeah. Okay, so cults, RuneQuest, Glorantha. It would have to be Glorantha, wouldn't it? Yeah. Debbie, uh, Mutants and Masterminds, Savage Worlds. Either of those, or are you going to last minute chuck another one in? No, I think I'm going to stick with uh, Savage Worlds. I've just had so much fun with so many characters in in vet, vet variety of guises that I'm just going to stick with that. Yeah, it is. As, you know, and again, as you said, and actually, there are some there are some games that just sort of perennially uh, crop up yeah. every single time in this. And one of those is tended to be uh, well, actually, Vase and Mutant Year Zero definitely does. Uh, Tales from the Loop. Savage Worlds. Okay. Uh, Paul, what are you going to go for? I'm, I'm going to go for Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, I think. Yeah. Just this, this it, idea of the career system yeah. and how flavoursome and how fun that is. And, and, it, and in fact, it was the one where, you know, it was sort of cut and dried for most people. You know, it's going to be... Oh, I'm doing this for the popularity. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on the wrong podcast for that. I can tell you that much. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's uh, I, I. I am going to stick with traveller. I'm definitely. I'm, I'm nearly at the last minute. Uh, there's there's protesters just off the screen, aren't there? There's the. <laughs> Do you know gun 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 barrels are very very cold. Uh, as they're poking them in your back. Right. The the, the vote then. Uh, I'll go first, if I may. Uh, Mutant, I do like the Year Zero engine. I like the way that they do stuff. I like, almost every single you know, free league game I've had or played, I thought, I love it, really love it. But I have to say, for the chance of being either a gong farmer or, or or a rat catcher, you know, dealing in effluent is always going to be appealing to me. I'm going with Woofrup. Uh, Woofrup for the win for me. Uh, let's go, Paul. 
Paul, what are you going to vote for? Obviously, you can't vote for Warhammer Fantasy role-playing. I think after all that discussion we had that brought out a lot of the fun, I've got to go for Tales from the Loop. Mm. Yeah. It's it's a good idea. It's so evocative. It is. It is. And, and, and it's, it's so odd, though, isn't it? Who would have thought about having a role-playing game where you play children? It, on so many levels, you sort of look at it and go, that's a bit fraught with danger. That's an X card waiting down. I mean, down. of course, it's, it's not the first to have done it. I mean, there's things like, yeah. say, monsters and other childish things, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Kids, kids on bikes post tales from loop or before? I think it's post. <laughs> Is it? I, it was, okay. I wouldn't swear to it. I mean, it's no. with, it close within a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Debbie, what are you going to go for? You can't vote Savage Worlds. It's Traveller, Wolfrup, RuneQuest, Glorantha, or Tales from the Loop. What's it going to be? Uh, I'm going Tales from the Loop. Yeah. They, they, are, they do create very evocative games and very characters you, create, you bond, bond with, mm-hmm. even in the convention game, which is where the only place I played it. Yeah. Do get very invested in the characters. Okay, it's just wonderful. <laughs> I never quite envisaged that the uh, <laughs> the Frankenstein's RPG <laughs> being fantasy. Well, tales bit, I mean, we suggested. I mean, it could be Vase and it could be other versions of this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, two for tales of loop so far, then. Uh, Andrew can't vote for RuneQuest Glorantha. You yeah, have. Two other systems I was going to mention were Wolfrup and uh, Powered by the Apocalypse playbooks. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to go for Wolfrup. Okay, Wolfrup. Okay, two. Blythe, you cannot vote for Tales from the Loop. You have Traveller, Wolfrup, Savage Worlds, RuneQuest, Glorantha. I think I'll go for Traveller. <laughs> yeah, devilment. <laughs> and and to force a recount where your vote now counts. Uh, I can see how your your mind is your <laughs> this devious. Is uh, this is tactical. Thirty years in local government pays <laughs> off. <laughs> um, M- merci- mercifully, my guards have now left the room. I didn't want to say traveller at all. I wanted to say Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> they haven't. They're still here. I like, I, I've seen. I've picked Traveller because I mean Traveller's the first game I ever bought. And, and around but I, but I think you're right it is it is you've got to give it a nod for being revolutionary in terms of yeah. that character creation system from, yeah. from from incredibly early on as well exactly yeah exactly <coughs> make the character risky. creation its own mini game yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. game in itself yeah no it's uh, yeah true. you could almost say for characters I didn't play let you char- let me tell you about my character lucky he yeah. died in character <laughs> creation but you know it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> <laughs> we call him Splatty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> however, however, the way the way that this has worked out, uh, we have another draw. This is ridiculous. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, Tales from the Loop. Ah, so we have to now. Uh, somebody's got to murder their darlings. So you can only vote Woofrup or Tales from the Loop. It's a free vote. Uh, Paul, we'll go to you first. What are you voting? Oh, for? Like, yeah, oh great. Okay. I'll, I wanted to just lean in a direction, but <laughs> No. Oh, so I think I am going to this time stick to my own guns and say Wolfrup. Good. Okay. Wolfrup it is. One vote. Debbie, what's it gonna be? Wolfrup, Tales from the Loop. Both good. 
I'm gonna um ah because I do like the very silly exit things from Woofrup as well. But I've only ever really played it at conventions, so I've not actually got gone through them. So I'm gonna stick with Tales from the Loop. <laughs> Tales from the Loop. Blithy. I'm gonna come to you um, this time. Well, I'm I'm gonna stick with Tales from the Loop, aren't I? I have to. I have to. Don't worry, Debbie. I'll I'll, I'll split the corona they're sending me with you. You can have the player's handbook. Corona will be in the first. Away <laughs> from Stockholm. Andrew, Andrew, what's it going to be? Wolfrup, Tales from um, the Loop. Yeah, um, I, I love Tales from the Loop, but I'm going to have to go Wolfrup. I'm afraid. Two two. I'm I'm either going to get hate mail from Sweden or uh, hate mail from uh, uh, from the old world. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, I'm going to go with what I voted first time round. I'm going with Wolfram. Uh, it's it's the it's the gong farming stroke rat catcher thing that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's irresistible, isn't it? It is almost irresistible, <laughs> and and probably you know, conforms to the uh, the Twitterati, who said if it isn't Wolfram, you know, various nasty things would happen to me. So. <laughs> Well, I can see I can see the mob actually outside, but they're dispersing. <laughs> but I think your house might be stinking for a bit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's full of gong. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to upset the uh, Wolfrup fans with pitchforks and rats, or do you want to upset upset the guys with laser pistols? That's the question, isn't it? Or or, uh, or BMX bikes. Yeah. BMX bikes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go, they're, they're only kids. Not I can beat up kids. That's okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there we are. The, the, it's Wolfrup. The career classes element of the game is is Wolfrup. So we have two. Uh, and obviously that was Paul. That was your suggestion. So well done. Uh, but I think in terms of uh, in terms of contribution, I think Debbie gets it this time. Yeah. We got Liminal in as the skill test system, mm-hmm. which is which is a fine, a fine result. And finally, Liminal wins. Yay! Yes. <laughs> but three of us are happy anyway. Uh, so uh, that's fantastic thank you ever so much everybody that skill tests are going to be that of liminal a base eight score 2d6 a bit like traveler (laughs) (laughs) no okay (laughs) definitely not different system completely in fact we're going to use d4s yeah, <laughs> liminal two D six plus skill, not the traveller two D six plus. Yes, skill. yes. exactly. Important distinctions to be made, but brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. So skill tests are going to be liminal, and uh, the career and class system for the game is going to be that of Wolfrup. To uh, one mercifully small book that goes into the big pile of uh, Frankenstein's RPG books, and then one massive one from, from Wolfbrook. Another one we could have gone for Svi Hander, then absolutely broken me back. <laughs> Triple hernia. <laughs> Listen, fantastic. Thank you ever so much, everybody. I hope that was uh, I hope that was okay for you. You enjoyed it. That yeah. was great. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah. yeah. Good. Lovely. Okay. Thank. So there you have it. That was uh, episode seven. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the show notes will include uh, as many links as we can to games that we've talked about and podcasts perhaps that we've mentioned. Uh, I do have one confession. I have checked jackals. It's crits on doubles only. So I lied. I'm slapping my wrists uh, as, I, as I read this out. 
Listen, again, thank you ever so much uh, for your contribution via Twitter in the main. Uh, and a few people just to mention, uh, Twitter followers who came up with fantastic ideas, which I know we managed to get into parts of the the, game, uh, the podcast, rather. At JWMUK, again, really good. At Carl Clare. At Fabio Volonna 1. Death and Gaming. Neil Walker was in there as well. At Robin Worthy. Phil the Dice Mechanic, uh, as always. At Mere for Beer 2. Made a very brief appearance on the podcast. Uh, at Milner Maths, who may be making a surprise appearance shortly. Uh, at Brian Bloodaxe as well. Uh, and at Nanook Kakabra. And again, uh, we really do take a lot of time to, to think about what uh, goes into the recording and really do appreciate you coming through to us on Twitter. Thank you. But if you do want to leave us a message at Anchor, please do so. That's a voice message. We're Frankenstein's RPG. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Frankenstein RPG and happy to take feedback and contributions on the next episode's topic topics, which will be fate points or luck and monsters or protagonists. So fate points or luck and monsters and protagonists. Well, what could possibly go wrong? Anyway, we'll see you soon. And thanks again for listening.